Hello, and welcome to Growing Pains. I'm your host, Olivia Santelli, and I'm actually fangirling over our guest today. She's a Gen Z digital creator, advocate for mental health, body positivity, and is a voice for people living with invisible chronic illness. She's a Sports Illustrated model, host of Spotify live show, Everything You Need Is Within, which is facts, and founder of It's Gigi, creative media company. I am so, so grateful to welcome Gigi Robinson to Growing Pains. Welcome, Gigi. Hello. Hi. Thank you for the warm introduction. I had to make sure I hit all of the bases because you do it all and you do it all so well. Such a safe way on the internet, which is hard to find these days. So every (laughs) single one of them is needed to be noted. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. Before we jump into our interview... I love setting an intention before every podcast episode just to kind of create a space for what we want today. Um, So I'll start with mine, and then if you want to think about yours, we can jump into yours. So my intention for today is to allow myself to feed into my curiosity. I'm absolutely, like I just said, in awe of your business, your platform, and the safe educational space that you've created online. And I just intend on taking this time to feed into it and to just learn from you and to hear your story and kind of what allowed you to create that space. And if you want to set your intention, go ahead. My intention, okay, my intention for today would be to really start focusing on building habits and saying fuck the fear because I have a fear that if I do certain if I don't face certain things that I know, believe it, as much as I've done, I'm still scared of a lot. And so I think Mm -hmm. that facing um, those fears and also creating habits will help kind of ground me when I am going through a lot of change. So two in one. Absolutely. I love that. Have you ever heard of Shelby Sacco? I don't think so. By chance. Um, We did an episode with her. She was one of my very first guests. She was also a friend of mine from college and everything. She teaches how to form a habit, like the science behind it in a very easy, digestible way. So I know that you said it's just your intention for today, but also like looking forward, if you are interested in finding another creator, she's stellar at like laying the basis for things like that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I always think it's important to do that. And I think the hardest thing for me in creating habits is I spend so much time like doing for others and doing for my business that I neglect to do for myself. And Mm -hmm. like the biggest habit that I do is I take medicine, but I literally have to set reminders on my phone. And unfortunately, a lot of the times I'll like, answer a call or be on a call during those reminders and so I'll snooze it and forget it so even when I try my best to do habits I neglect it and uh, that's not really good so I'm trying to change that I'm sure there are so many little intricate things that go into one living with an invisible chronic illness and two having to show up online in a vulnerable way when you're not even sure if you want to be that vulnerable I feel like sometimes that comes up for me too is understanding that like I'm going through a rough time and yes I want to show up and I want to be educational and I want to show people that they can do it but at the same time you're like okay how can I do it for myself before I can show Mm -hmm. up for others yeah 
Absolutely. I mean, it's like way easier said than done. It's like, oh, you need to help, like hurt people, hurt people. So help yourself before you help others. And it's like, yes, but at the same time, it's, it's definitely a challenging thing. And I think, um, I don't know, like how familiar you are with the concept of like healers and um, Mm -hmm. givers and all of those kinds of different people. But I feel like as somebody who's still working on healing that like I help other people heal it's just like the amount that I will be able to help more and the capacity I'll be able to will be so much more once I do other things and I feel like a lot of uh, the fears that I'm going through now are about my health and so as I prepare for the new year and uh, what I want to set for the next couple of months, I think, you know, I'm really going to try to put my health first and like seriously be like, Gigi, no, like every single week on Mondays, unless it is an opportunity that you literally like have wanted forever, it is going to be like an administrative stay at home, like you know, only do video creation or video writing, script writing on Mondays. And on Tuesdays, you're going to film. And unless it's like a doctor's appointment or a really incredible opportunity or meeting, no. Like, (laughs) we're in our era of saying, like, people are saying, like, no, November, like, literally, like, no, like, I'm not going to do it if it doesn't suit me, if it's not fully going to come back. And, like, I chronically say yes. Like, I literally say yes to everything. And I think that's great. In mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, I wrote a post about this today, just about the ways that saying yes can always come back to you. But I think that I'm ready to really focus on myself and heal. And to, in order to do so, I'm going to have to really set up a lot of structure so that I, I'm forced to take care of myself. Yeah, setting boundaries, but boundaries that help you personally grow. Mm-hmm. I love that. Always needed. I would love for you to start with us at the beginning. Um, Just take a moment to reflect on your dreams, your experiences from middle school into high school into college. The thing about me is, and I actually watched this episode of New Girl last night because I love New Girl. It's probably my favorite show of all time. Um, I've this is my third time binge watching it. Like when I watch a show, by the way, I have to watch the whole thing. Like, I, I can't go from New Girl to watching The Crown. It's like, I literally have to finish watching all of New Girl. Like, I can watch movies in between, but I definitely can't be, I can't be switching to another show. So um, right now, as I watch, there was this episode and it's in season, at the end of season five, when Cece and Schmidt are getting married and um, she thinks that Sam is going to propose to her, but really like he's breaking up with her because he's trying to go to Diane and basically Jess was talking to Cece about like do people plan their whole lives and oh no she was talking to Reagan about it she's like do people plan their whole lives and she's like I do and like I just have never been that girl like I don't plan anything like I planned to I actually went to middle school elementary and middle school in the public school system in New York City and I basically 
always liked art, but I, you know, first started getting injuries when I was in, in elementary school and heading into middle school. And that's when I ultimately started to do art because I had to give up competitive swimming. Obviously that wasn't planned. I actually had wanted to, uh, first when I was a kid, I was like, I want to be an astronaut, but then I like definitely was not that kind of girl in STEM. I'm more of like technology and innovation and, uh, social media, digital world. But, Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, then I, I went to swimming and was like, I want to be like Katie Ledecky. I want to be like Michael Phelps, but the girl version. And then I got my diagnosis. And so I had to switch that. So then it became like, I want to be the next like Dave LaChapelle, um, or the next Annie Leibovitz. Like that was my, my goal for a while. And I just think my priorities changed. Uh, when I was in, uh, in high school, I, you know, I always took on opportunities and like, sometimes that meant that I wasn't the best student, but I was probably the most well-rounded, if that makes sense. So like I was doing so much more. And so I really wanted to go to the University of Miami. And unfortunately, it didn't work out for me the first time around. And so I had to go to a state school here in New York called the Fashion Institute of Technology. It's a very famous school. I'm (laughs) sorry about this. Always trying to steal my thunder. Um, And then I went there for a year and then was like, I want to go somewhere else. So I got the best grades I could. I did a couple extracurriculars and then was like, you know what? I want to go to USC. And so I applied to transfer. I applied with my, you know, robust portfolio of things that I was doing at the time. And I got to USC and it was like, I'm going to work in corporate entertainment and I'm going to do photography for movie posters. And I want to do as much as I can to really catch the pulse of like entertainment and new and rising stars, but also be creative myself and really step into the role of being like an art director. And then I joined the social media club called Reach. And that really changed the game for me because it showed me that it didn't need to be so narrow and then I could really branch out into the world of social media as a influencer creator um, and now a a public speaker and so I just really started to run with it and I think that that was kind of uh, kind of kind of a long story short uh, as to where I am now I think the past uh, you know two and a half years with the, the pandemic have been the most formative for me and I, none of it would have been possible had I not honestly gotten my, my diagnosis at such a young age. So it's in a way wild to think everything does happen for a reason. Yeah. And when you reflect on it, it kind of brings it back to you and just makes you think a little bit more about how those early experiences have brought you to where you are today. Absolutely. I've heard you speak on your early adolescence in a couple of other interviews and being filled with a little bit of mean girls and bullying and kind of mental health becoming Mm -hmm. something that was present in your life at a young age. I would love to hear more about how you dealt with those experiences, both internally and externally, and also how that changed from a young age to now when you're in an industry where Mm. that is something that can be very present. Mm Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one of the the biggest things that I would say is that you have to not internalize other people's opinions about you. And when you're, you know, 13 years old, it's really challenging. I was reminded the other day from a study that between the ages of, I think, 11 and 14, young people absorb the most. And so those are our most formative years. So if we are also like, I'm 24 now, so I grew up 
during peak, you know, Instagram was just released and uh, everything like that. But those were the years where like I was looking at Ask FM, which was an anonymous, you know, asking website where you could ask people and or bully people online. Mm-hmm. I remember that. You could have, you know, Facebook like like rate comment for uh, uh, like a rate or whatever or a, to be honest and those kinds of things when like you saw other people getting a lot and you weren't. It's like, oh, well maybe people don't like me. And that's super rational because it's literally just like kids are going to be kids on the internet. And like the number that some random kid rates you on your Facebook profile when you're 12 really shouldn't matter, but it does. And today, the way that it's different today is through different kinds of social channels and videos where you might put something out about what I eat in a day as a model, right? And some little girl out there, a little boy or little person wants to be a model and they view that video and they go, I'm going to follow this diet and this workout routine to a T and they develop a unhealthy habit or ritual around food and around working out. And therefore that's going to be detrimental to their mental health. So I think the parallels are there. The vehicle has changed and Ultimately, for me, I mean, the mean girl situation was really challenging because I didn't used to have a lot of confidence. I used to be very shy. I was not outspoken. I was definitely like the the kind of girl that kind of like went with the flow. Like I didn't have a main friend group. Um, You know, it was it was definitely something where I always felt like, why don't I have a main friend group? And like, do I even want that? And the more that I was like in friend groups of three to six people I was like these are always so catty and it's making me not feel good about myself so I'd rather be alone and as a result obviously that made me like really sad people were super mean I felt excluded and sometimes that feeling of exclusion even when you're deliberately deciding to do it because you'd rather be away from like all of the scrutiny and the judgment from mean people is sometimes also really hard. And so I've been in therapy since I was in second grade. I also grew up in New York city and some of these people were just relentless. (laughs) And I just, I, I just think in college when I got to USC, I was like, no, (laughs) like literally straight up. No, like we are not doing this. And it did happen. It happened up until COVID. And after COVID, I was just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like these people, I would give them chances to, I don't know, just like, I thought they were good people. And it's so hard. Like you always want to take a chance on people Mm -hmm. and like, let them be good people. But it always ended up just like not being aligned. And I'm not really surprised. Uh, I think that LA kind of does give off those vibes. But again, I I did go to the University of Southern California where there are a lot of privileged uh, assholes. And that's basically all I'm going to say about that because I have two degrees from there also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That I paid for myself. Period. (laughs) Proud. Like that's enough to be proud of in itself. Uh, There's so many parallels between what you just said and my personal life and just like you and I talking through this one-on-one, I already feel so much more heard and understood in that story of never feeling like you 
had found a place like always feeling Mm -hmm. as if you were just a little bit different or like you didn't want to ever be involved in the drama or the cattiness and so you personally excluded yourself and I think that that has been a lot of my personal life as well and Mm -hmm. it's just weird to think about because you're like why like why can't I just fit in like why can't I just click with everyone else around me and you like you start to reflect and you're like is something wrong with me and it's hard Mm -hmm. to as you grow realize that like you were never meant to be stuck in one of those places or to be with those people forever it it has been the sign from the universe or god for whatever it is that you believe in that there is still more meant for you. Like this is not where you are supposed to stay. And that's mm-hmm. always how I've looked at yeah, it. Yeah, right. And I, I, yes, to all of that. I mean, I think after going through those things, even though I was excluding myself um, in high school specifically, I would focus on photography and going to after school and doing as many extracurriculars so I could get as good of a scholarship as I could or financial aid. And so because I didn't stick with the group and go out to parties and do whatever, I was able to get different scholarships because I knew I wanted to go to a, a you know a big school and get a research degree. Um, and so I think it all does work out, but there were also pushback. It's like, if you exclude yourself from the group, the group doesn't pay you attention until you do something that makes them be like, oh my God, like, can I be your friend now that you've won XYZ award or now that you've grown to a certain following or so on and so forth. And so I feel like that is definitely something that I've uh, unfortunately faced, but I just shrugged my shoulders because I believe that's fan behavior if I ever did see it. So, (laughs) yeah, I was going to ask, I was going to say, how has that experience like having people who, were a part of your life earlier now come back around after they've realized that oh she's done it for herself oh yeah I mean you know I think you just have to tread really lightly mostly because people are in it for themselves they always were and so when you think about people that weren't nice to you before and all of a sudden you do something that they're like interested in they're reaching out to you because they want something for themselves they want to take a piece of your mm-hmm. light or a piece of your your jar at the end of the rainbow like that's their prerogative period there's no world that people reach out to you after they've done you wrong where they're trying to actively help you or like do better in my opinion there's mm-hmm. always an ulterior mm-hmm. motive and so you know my my parents have asked me about some of these, you know, friendships that happened in college that were like three-year friendships. And it's like, oh, that was like so weird that, you know, the friendship just dissolved. And I said, the friendship didn't just dissolve. Like I was sick and these specific friends decided that I was faking it and that I wasn't being a good friend and I was being too selfish when I had to take care of my health. And so For me to continue to accept somebody after they've blatantly like disregarded my health and well-being, it's just, it's not worth the mental energy for me. Even if they are working in the same field of marketing social media, I wouldn't, I would probably be like, you know what, I I really, I don't have the mental energy. I don't have the, the physical energy to do a coffee chat right now after years. Like, let's not forget that behavior. And so Mm -hmm. I'm a big proponent of 
don't forget. Um, if you have it in, in you to forgive, you absolutely can, but proceed with caution. So that's, that's just my experience. And it mm-hmm. sucks because you're like, wow, three years of my life where I was just like around really shitty people. Um, but again, I, I agree with you that it was all a part of some bigger lesson that's like going to lead you somewhere else that's bigger and better, which it has. So, haha. Right. <laughs> Learning to set your boundaries at an age like that and then being able to carry that into a professional world where boundaries are important. Yeah. Like more than ever. Do you think that since you gained a toolbox at such a young age, and I'd like you to kind of elaborate on a little bit of what you've gathered over the years and like put into your toolbox. And even if it's not good all the time to maintain some awareness and some clarity for yourself when you notice things not going quite as good for you in mentally. Yeah, I mean, this one's definitely a challenge. I had about an eight month period where I was looking for a new therapist. And so that was a little bit challenging. There are times where I don't have my shit together, uh, even though it might seem like that on social. And so I just try not to be so hard on myself. Um, my assistant always is like, you don't give yourself enough credit for like everything that you do because like sometimes I'll like interview people for, um, you know, a freelance position or an internship. And they're like, oh my God, like scared. I'm like, why are you scared? Like this is a day in the life. And my assistant's like, yeah, because it's crazy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oops. <laughs> Guess I didn't realize that. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's just kind of uh, some thoughts, I guess. Just to give yourself do grace. You, yeah. Do you incorporate any sort of like personal practices? I know that you've said that it's been like difficult and you haven't had a lot of time to do um, that for yourself. Are there things that you do enjoy adding in ever? I mean, I think that I love getting massages and something that I heard on a panel on um, Monday that uh, Lisa Bailu said is like she takes okay. off she's a founder of Quest Nutrition and also runs Impact Theory mm-hmm. if those listening don't know she's absolutely incredible and she said that every Saturday she literally just like completely takes off her Saturday because she needs that as like her day to refuel and like reset and I just thought that that was really interesting. Like, and by take off, I mean, she doesn't use her phone. So I don't know what she does. She didn't Mm. go into detail there, but she was like, I completely disconnect. And the world is not going to stop turning for the business, for social media, for friends and family, like close friends and family. If they really need you, they will come to you. Um, Close, you know, people in business. Great. You must have a business partner or you could something that can wait till Monday. Like nothing's that big of an emergency unless like, you know, unless it really, really is. And even so you will have a point of contact to reach in the event that something bad happens. So I, I admired that. And I think like boundaries are important, but um, also just the concept of like feeling guilty when you take the time for your self-care, especially if it's something like a massage, getting your hair done, your nails done, um, a facial, those kinds of things for people who are on television and on screens and modeling really matter because if your self-esteem goes down or your mental health goes down, then you're not able to do your job best. It's like literally like a function of the job. So Mm -hmm. I try to remember that, but also at the same time, 
it's what you have to do. Uh, and one of my doctors told me this yesterday. He's like, I go to a really fancy gym and I want it to feel like a spa. And I go in the steam room and the sauna after I go to the gym. I make it a five hour <laughs> ordeal because that's what they, like mm-hmm. my specific doctor needs to like take care and like heal so many other people. So just not okay. feeling guilty about it and do it within your parameters. Obviously don't go crazy. Can I massage like every week? <laughs> Talking like <laughs> once a month maybe. Yeah. But just making a little bit of space for the not guilt driven time away. Yeah. This is coming from the TED talk that I listened to that you were on the other day, but you talked about it being the photo project and your one professor was like, well, take your camera with you. Was that the beginning of you sharing your story openly or were there other things kind of leading into that moment? Yeah, I had been a part of Facebook groups and support groups locally and nationally for like some time. And I think knowing that other people were also dealing with things like in a way that I could see made me realize like, Oh, there are actually a lot of people here, like 8,000 people in a Facebook group. Wow. Like that was a crazy concept to me even four, four, five years ago. And so, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like it was this moment of really where I, I, I felt like I needed the support the most. And I was just like, sharing it just in case other people had and it was mostly that like on the in these support groups you would like occasionally drop your Instagram and like share them and like connect and so I had a small community of people more as like acquaintances but like we weren't really like in it to build the community that I have back then and it just kind of resonated with so many people and that's where also I know I mentioned before my passion for photography and like being an esteemed artist was something that I wanted to do for some time and so when I was able to combine that passion with writing and with the digital you know knowledge that I have that was really empowering and I just kind of was posting as if it was a diary, like I wasn't really posting it in order to build a community. It just kind of did. And once I realized that I had that like mm-hmm. role, I couldn't really hold it back. Like I couldn't really step back from it. Um, at least I didn't, I felt <laughs> inclined, like I almost owed people, uh, you know, my time and energy to that. Yeah. That kind of leads me into like my next thought and question about it in those first stages of opening up and becoming vulnerable about your story and kind of being that messenger for it. Yeah. Was it empowering? Was it scary? Kind of like Mm. take me through that journey of, of becoming vulnerable and allowing yourself to open up um, and what that journey was for you. Yeah. I think that I just kind of did it. Like it just felt intrinsically native for me to do that. Like it wasn't something that I ever kind of, hesitated to do it was always um just like intuitive I don't know how else to describe it it's kind of like uh people are always like what's that one thing you're searching for in life that you're just like meant to do and um it just kind of snowballed really that was Uh, it yeah Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't really explain it. I mean, when when COVID happened also, so there were a couple other things. I was in spring of fall of 2019. It was like the roughest semester of my 
college time at USC in undergrad. And so then uh, I decided to do a reduced course load for spring of 2020 and fall of 2020 to graduate in fall of 2020 in December. And I had no plans at the time of like going to, um, you know, grad school. I had no plans to move back to New York. I had no plans to not do anything other than corporate social media or like photography. So when COVID forced me home, I was like, oh, this kind of is changing a lot. Like I have the ability to do whatever I want for my bedroom. Like I worked two two different internships, I think four or five brand ambassador roles, like posting. And then I was also on top of that, making like money from a couple extra collabs. And uh, I was still under like 10K across all my platforms. So it was definitely a period of growth. And I was like, if I can scale, you know, to a certain number by a certain amount of time financially, then I'll be able to do it full time. And so that's kind of what I did as a pilot. And I also, there was a period of time where we didn't know if like remote school was going to continue past the, you know, the rest of the spring 2020 semester, but obviously it did until last fall or fall 2021 at USC or spring 2021, I think is when they went fully on in person. So um, Mm. just, I think I also in my mind was like, gonna get like a different treatment for my health condition that I ended up not getting and I was like telling my friends at the time like oh I think I'm gonna stay in New York and I just realized then that it was like the lack of like like oh we're so sad it was more like oh good for you and I was like oh this is kind of interesting so uh those feelings and also again just realizing like there were eyeballs 10,000 people is like that's a lot of people that's that's like way that's mm-hmm. like a whole uh you know conference auditorium at the LA convention center that's a lot of people mm-hmm. so when I thought about just the impact that that was making in that one specific group my main goal was like how can we scale this and so I enrolled in my master's program with the media kit that I was using as my pilot and then I also just started my own LLC and was like hey, I'm going to do this full time now. And then I did. Going into creating it for yourself full time and just creating an LLC, where did, I guess now it's going to kind of come into confidence if that's how you want to perceive it. But if you perceive it in a different way, go ahead and like correct me or tell me your story about it. How did you just go after it and create the opportunities for yourself in the pandemic and scale that? I think that the way that I did it was just by like smart networking. And I mean, I think there's some things to be wary of because people are always going to want something like I mentioned before. And it's usually like to advance something they're doing. They don't care about the work that you're doing. They only care about how your work can get them work. And sometimes that like is the case with networking. But the first thing that I would say to anyone who's like still in school is definitely network with alumni and current, you know, recent grads, because those are the people that are where you you likely want to go. And so I kind of focused on um, 
networking with the USC Trojan people, uh, entrepreneurs, and then also people in social media and like production where I wanted to go art direction, like journalists that I wanted to potentially cover the work that I was doing. And so I think that it was just really being smart and also being intentional like I wasn't friending every journalist left and right I was like reading a story being like oh my god I like this work and like it it just it literally just snowballs and you just never know who you're gonna meet and what opportunities you might get and so I also just kind of like believed that it was possible like Mm -hmm. I think when you when you put yourself in a position where something has to work there's like no option for it to fail and every setback that you're having is just like a reroute on a gps or it's like a redirection and so when like even earlier this year i was going through like a low period with just like brand deals and speaking gigs and it was like not much happened and then i just kind of started focusing on me doing a lot of breath work And after that, I fully just like things just took off. Like, you know, the last week of January, after a week of focusing on just my mind and body, I had landed like two amazing deals. And then the week after I got my call back for SI and then it all just continued after that. So I really just think it's like, honestly, about believing in yourself and like operating at a level where it's like, not an option for it to fail. Mm-hmm. I've been hearing that more and more recently that when you just take the leap and when you just fully believe in yourself and release the doubts, release the judgment, which is yeah. actually something my mother told me last night. We were sitting at the kitchen table and she goes, you know, you're judging yourself for living at home right now. And that could be a hindrance in mm-hmm where you're at in your life and I want you to like reflect on that and know that that's something that you're doing and I'm like you're right I I don't notice that I'm judging myself but I am in those moments um and she just was like you just need to jump you need to take the leap and find that thing that lights you up that won't fail yeah so that advice has been like constantly coming into my life and reminding me that that's something that you need to do it's also like again like intentionality is important because you have to like come up with a roadmap like I didn't fully blindly go into just starting my LLC and like doing social media like I made like a theoretical business plan with some goals and I use it as a blueprint and that's what Mm -hmm. I think is important that a lot of people fail to do and That's also, I will say something about the creator economy right now that a lot of people that this may be a little bit polarizing, but I just don't think that a lot of people thoroughly think through the tangible ways that they can scale outside of just numbers with social media. How can you take a community and drive sales or how can you um, really create a product that's going to innovate and help people? I think that's something that's really hard to do and I think a lot of creators especially the big ones like they have help but we're talking about all the people who are in you know the 96 percent of creators that make under hundred thousand dollars um a year that's a pretty big number and I mean yes that's an entry-level job but what's going to happen after the first year or two right like you hope that you come into your 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 state of scaling but 
it's a business and people don't think of it that way. And so when you Mm -hmm. do, again, you have to set yourself up so that you have goals and a blueprint that you can reach out to. Oh, okay. You want to learn more about diversity, equity, and inclusion? Well, what are free resources that exist? What are different certification things that exist? What are different programs at big companies that exist, right? Like before I was verified, before I had 10K anywhere, I was working with Yahoo on a diversity inclusion initiative. Last year, before, again, before any of Sports Illustrated before I was only six months into my master's, I was able to get onto Adweek's, you know, next generation mentee list. This year, I just yesterday and soon I'll announce it formally, but um, I'm working with AdAge on their next generation diversity inclusion initiative. So it's really cool, but you have to put yourself out there. Like you have to apply to these things. You have to take the extra effort. You can't say, oh, well, I just don't know enough. Um, You didn't research it. You didn't spend the time on it. You're obviously not dedicated. You don't care enough. And mm-hmm. that I see a lot of half-assery, respectfully. <laughs> no, I, I am so glad that you brought that up. And I'm so glad that you brought education into it too. Because like I said before, something that keeps holding me back is my want to know as much as I possibly can before helping somebody or before putting something on the internet um, because we have a lot of, like you said, half-assery of harmful content going out onto platforms. Yeah. It doesn't come from a place of true research and true understanding and true education. Yeah. Then you're really just not putting anything beneficial out. Right. And and I, I, I just think that this just goes with the internet um, mm-hmm. being the internet. It's just like we have to be more careful and also clear with our goals because a lot of people aren't. Um, aren't. I'm glad that you talked about education being an important part of being able to intentionally yeah. scale yeah. because I, I do believe that that is a huge way and a huge reason why people should be succeeding is because they are doing the work they are doing the research and they are making it far due to that mm-hmm. okay before we finish up i don't yeah. want to take too much of yeah. your time here but i would like to chat about a couple more things i would just love to chat about your experience with sports illustrated just because mm-hmm. that's how i came to know you first of all and then came to love you by following your platforms by following you on LinkedIn by following you on socials by just indulging myself in your content because I truly enjoy it and I get gain so much from it but this is what brought me to you so I would love to hear about that experience and just how your partnership with that brand and how it all went I mean I think there's like a lot that went into it but it was also just something I felt very called to do and I know that sounds like super weird and witchy no, but <laughs> um I remember seeing like Katie's video in I think or maybe they just announced she was rookie for like the 2021 class and I was like oh like she's a USC Trojan it's clearly within reach like I should just do this like that was literally the thought that I had And so I set an intention when I saw that in September, I was like, you know, when that opens, I'll just like submit for it. Like, you never know. And I'm a very like submit for it. You'll never know kind of girl. Like I spent all of high school submitting to art competitions because you never know. And then my art was in the Metropolitan Museum of Art four times before I graduated high school and in different galleries and hedge fund offices all around New York. So I've just always been like that. And people, again, always are like, 
how? Like, you must have connections. And I'm like, literally, no. Like, neither of my parents work in media at all. Um, So, yeah, just always going for it. And so then in December, I was down doing some work for uh, Art Basel. And I was going around like crazy, just having a fun time at the end of the year with my friend. And I was like, oh, shoot, I have to film my stuff. Like, I want to film it on the beach a little bit. But um, really coming up with my concept wasn't just about like, oh, I'm going to just submit to this to submit to this because I don't, I don't, like, I'm not like a model full time. Like, that's not something I, I would do it, but I'm not with a modeling agency. I don't get booked for modeling gigs. Like it's not where you're focusing day. all of your energy on either, which right exactly. And that never was really like a goal. But back in high school, I did do a project called a um, and in college, I feel like a supermodel that was about really including people of diverse sizes, ethnicities, body types, um, etc. In theoretical magazine covers and really shooting them at like a high caliber so you didn't have to be your stereotypical model so I felt a lot of that energy being channeled and I was just like I'm gonna do this and I made the video I wrote the script and I actually had used a format that is pretty funny and one of the other people that was a like semi-finalist like the people the, the way that they do is they like you submit and then there's like interviews mm-hmm. and then there's like the final who are in the magazine before people. yeah yeah so th- just like when there was like this bigger group of interviews um or not even that I think once I was on the Swimfluence network I was just kind of stalking the submissions because I was curious like what are other people submitting and um the format that I had had modeled mine off of was the format that was used in Legally Blonde, which is essentially this concept of hook, retain, repeat, which is a very, very common thing in filmmaking and video making. And the first draft that we wrote was really based off of that and structured off of that. And one of the other finalists remade that, mm-hmm. you know, Harvard it. It was, video yeah. to a T. And so I thought that that was, it was really... In, it was incredible. Yeah, it was, it was amazing and hilarious. Like, I thought it was so funny. But... I knew that when we did that, I was like, this just isn't me. Like, I would not be speaking from the heart if I modeled it off of, you know, something like like that. It just felt too, too thorough and mm-hmm. uh, too almost glamorized. Like, I wanted to make mine more uh, about me and the, the work that I do with health care and body image. So... I specifically just rewrote it using the same format, but based on me. And I just sat down in a very like easy position on my bed, which is very normal for me. It's where I take a lot of calls and interviews from. And I just recorded it. And then I put the B-roll in that I shot during my Miami trip a couple of weeks, a month prior. And uh, I literally just submitted it on like the last day. I actually had COVID when I submitted it. And I also had just (laughs) gone back from fashion week. So there was like definitely a lot happening. And 
I also was just like, eh, you never know. Let me post about this on LinkedIn. And I know that that was really something that changed the way people now submit because MJ told me, she's like, literally, I love you, but I hate you because I get a million LinkedIn notifications from people submitting now on LinkedIn, which I think is great. But I was the first person to really do that, that validated uh, SI Swim on a professional level mm-hmm. and the work they're doing with Pay With Change. So I thought it was really cool that I was able to do that. And, you know, she told me that that was really what stood out to her that I was like ballsy enough to do that because what woman's going to post about a bikini photo Mm -hmm. on a professional network where their boss could see it. Right. And I'm like, literally every single person in this world wears a bikini. It's not a secret. It's not a big deal. (laughs) Like, like people are so dramatic. So yeah, that was just kind of that. And, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, there's a lot that came out of it for me in terms of learning, not necessarily that the opportunity to go further with it wasn't there. Um, I just think that for me personally, like I want to be a public speaker and I would never want to also take away uh, an opportunity for someone to model, uh, you know, on a level where they wanted to be a model full time. And so uh, even though I didn't place like to the rookie or even into swim week, which was definitely really <laughs> sad. Um, I think that it it put me on this path of public speaking and you know now I'm writing and I just think it all was part of the bigger plan. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it's really cool to be adjacent to the SI family. Um, and I I just I think they're they're hopefully I hope to see them continue to put their money where their mouth yeah. is. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Facts. And I'm so glad that you shared all of your experience with that. And yeah. finally, let's just end it out with, we kind of chatted just a touch about it at the beginning, but I like to finish with your now, your new, and your next. This can be a mantra. This can be an intention. This can be a hobby, anything that comes to mind when I say these things. Um, so it's just going to be, what's your now? My now is uh, working on book projects. Love it. And what's your new? Uh, habits. Mm-hmm. And what's your next? Speaking tour. Love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Gigi. I have had the most wonderful time connecting with you and learning a little bit more about you and your story. And I just want to say that I'm grateful for you being here. Oh, thank you so much. I pre- appreciate it. It was really fun. Talk to everybody soon. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Bye.